great things God's doing for us. I have a message for you this morning that I have given the title, The Most Important Thing to God. Do you want to know what is the most important thing to God for you to know and to do? I'm going to share that with you this morning. I believe right out of the Bible. Father, I pray that you will bless and anoint your word this morning. You have told me that you will anoint me as your faithful servant to deliver your message. I come to you today, Lord, standing in that anointing and standing in your power, and you are going to reveal yourself to us now and constantly in mighty and wonderful ways. Thank you for your presence and for the Holy Spirit who causes our minds and our hearts to be penetrated with truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you can find the most important thing to God and let that then become the most important thing to you, you have started a great journey towards wonderful victory in your life. We need to know what is most important to God and then we need to let that become most important to us. It's what we call priorities. You hear that all the time. Set your priorities. Establish priorities. I chose to say it in a little different way this morning. Because the Bible says there are things that are extremely important to God. I will not touch on all of them today by any means. And I know you're glad I'm not going to try to cover all of it today. <laughs> but I am going to tell you what Jesus said is the most important thing. Turning your Bible to Mark chapter 12. There was a discussion going on, as there constantly was, about the teachings of Jesus. There were people who were challenging him over the things he said and taught. Jesus always had a powerful and profound answer for such people. And on this occasion, they were having a great discussion about the resurrection because there was a group of religious leaders a sect called the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection and they constantly challenged Jesus trying to find some way to trip him up about teachings on the resurrection well on this occasion Jesus had given them an appropriate answer and one of them who heard the disputation going on another scribe decided he would ask a question of Jesus. He didn't seem to do it maliciously, but he asked Jesus. And this is what the scripture says, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, that is, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? That would be a marvelous question if Jesus were here in the flesh this morning and you got a chance to say one thing to him. I don't know of anything better you could ask of him than what is the most important commandment? What is the most important teaching? What is it that I need to know 
more than anything else, Master. And this man hit on that. He asked him, what is the most important of all? And Jesus answered him, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That is the first, the greatest, the most important commandment God has ever given according to Jesus. Jesus went on to add a bonus. He said there's a second one that goes with it. It's not the, same, it's not the first one. It's not the same as the first one, but I'm just going to give you the second one too. Since you asked me for the first one, I'll give you the second one. The second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. But the greatest commandment, the signally most important commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You say right now in your, the recesses of your mind, Pastor, that's a very difficult thing to do. And secondly, you may be thinking, I'm not sure that I can do that. But I'm going to tell you that you can, and the reason that I know you can is God wouldn't have ordered it if it were impossible to do. God has never told you to do anything, and he never will tell you to do anything that it's impossible for you to do. He would be setting you up to fail, and he would be setting you up to sin if he did that, and God doesn't do that. So it is something that you can do, and if you will recognize this most important thing, this top of the list in importance, this commandment, this order of God the Father, and let that become the most important thing to you, that's what you strive for daily in your life, then you are on your way to a mighty and a powerful victory. A few weeks ago, in fact, it was on uh, Sunday morning, August the 12th, so it was just recently. I preached a message that I titled The Name and the Word based on Psalm 138, verse 2. And some of you will remember that, even if you do, but especially if you don't. I'll recommend you go to our website and listen to that message. It's right there. Go down to August 12th, and the name of it is the name of the message is right there, the name and the word. And it's based on Psalm 138, verse 2, when I talked about how valuable God considers his word because it is the expression of who he is. And God has exalted his word above all else. And his name is an accompaniment to the power and the glory of his word. It would help you to hear that in connection with what I'm saying here this morning. Because when God tells us something that is important about himself, it isn't because he's bragging on himself, it's because he wants us to know him 
in his fullness. And so it was important to say to the Jewish people, the Lord our God is one. God declared that that was what set them apart from everybody else in the known world of their time. They were the nation, they were the people who worshiped this monotheistic God, this one God. Others had many gods. In fact, on over in the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul was, in, was at Mars Hill in Athens in Greece, they had a monument there to the unknown God. In case with all the other gods they had a monument to, they'd left one out. They wanted to put one there just in case they'd omitted one they didn't know about, so they put one to the unknown God. The world was a polytheistic world, except for the Hebrews who believed in one God. Here Jesus reiterates that to say there's one God to be worshipped, one God to be honored, one God to be followed, one God that deserves our devotion, and that is the Lord God Almighty, and He has the right to make declarations for you in your life. And so, I want to tell you today that He is worthy of your loving Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all of yourself, with all of your being, with everything that you are, everything that you can be, with all of your desires, all of your longings, all of your plans, all of your ambitions, all of your expectations, all that goes to make up who you are needs to be surrendered and yielded at the very altar of God so that you can love Him and love Him supremely with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, He doesn't demand this or require this of us without having a basis for it. Because you see, the wonderful thing about our Father God is that He has proven, absolutely proven, His love for us. And we've recognized that. That's what the cross is all about. It is the declaration of God's love for a dying world and the declaration of His love for a dying soul. That's you. That's me. He gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be made whole in Him and drawn to Him. And in doing that, He proved His love for us. That's exactly what the scripture says. It says it more than one time. I'll give you two times. It says it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. The scripture says God commends his love toward us. God proves his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we deserved nothing, had no right to make any claim on him, he gave his son to die for us. And not only that, we recognize it. John John recognizes it so marvelous as he teaches you so powerfully about love. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, I think it is, he says, very simply, we love him because he first loved us. He has a right to claim our love, our devotion, because he first loved us. And he declared that love for us in his sacrifice for us on Calvary. He gave himself proving his love for us. And the one thing that is constant, my friend, the one thing that the enemy wants you to not believe, to disbelieve, to doubt, to challenge, to question, is God's love for you. 
Because if he can make you question and doubt God's love for you, he can make you turn aside from your relationship with God. He wants to help you believe. He wants to encourage you to believe. He wants to direct you to believe that God really doesn't care all that much about you. Sure, he loves the world. Sure, he died for everybody else. But, but, but for me, for me, no, no it, it, Pastor, if you only knew. How many times have I heard this? Pastor, if you only knew. And guess what? I don't need to know. Guess what else? I don't care. Guess what else? Because I know it doesn't make any difference. I know it makes no difference. I know that God loves you powerfully, supremely, yes, supernaturally, wonderfully, victoriously, loves you with a resurrection love and an everlasting power. I know that he does. Why? Because the Bible says that he does. And that's what you need to believe. That's what you need to believe because he does. He does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you another reason that you know God has a right to ask of this, this priority of you, ask, has a right to ask you to do it because God I'm going I'm to condition you to get ready to inwardly, immediately disagree with me when I say this. Some of you will immediately, inwardly disagree with me when I say this. Not everybody, but some of you will. I'm going to say to you that he has always been and always will be faithful. He will not, he will not, he will not break his word to you and his word to you right here. Every personal word he said right here is a personal word to you. Just because it's a personal word to me doesn't mean it is not also a personal word to you and to thousands and millions of others as well that God has planned and brought into his economy through the sacrifice of his son on the cross, God, every promise he has made to you and every promise he has made in this book to those who call on him and believe him and walk with him, every promise he has made in this book, he will keep. God is faithful to his word. I won't tell you that God's going to do everything he said he'll do for you today. There are some things he'll do immediately. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So you come to him today, he won't cast you out. That can happen today. But Christians, I know you're sitting here saying, well, now, Pastor, I believe what you're saying. I, I, I know it's true. But, <laughs> you know, I've been believing for a long time, and God hasn't done it yet. There's one thing that God doesn't answer with his promises. Some of them are immediate. But most of God's promises when he brings them forth to us are not promises that he puts a time frame on. So God doesn't say to us when he brings that promise forth, it's going to happen 
right now or it's going to happen within the hour or within the week or when it's going to happen. But the wonderful thing about the promises of God is that all of them are sure. All of them are guaranteed by the nature and the character of a God who cannot lie. The Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. And Titus says he is not a God who could tell a lie. If he has said it, God has said it, then it's a promise. And if it's a promise, it's a guarantee. And what God has said, God will do. He will never fail to keep his word. God will do what he said he'll do for you. You know, I, I, um, I, I'm like you. I'm, I'm just like many of you. I struggle with some things. I struggle with things too. I say, God, I try not to be guilty of saying, when, God, when? How, God, how? Why, God, why? I have done it. I got so tired of hearing myself say it, I tried to break myself up, and I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I've just tried to get myself ready to say, oh, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. Come on, Lord. Keep your word. Fulfill your word. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then make sure that in my life and in my heart in every possible way, I am ready. But I, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you, I question myself about telling this, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you this little thing about an experience. I might have mentioned this one time before. You know, when I come up here, I usually empty my pockets. All I, all I keep in my pocket is... I keep the I don't carry folded money in a billfold. I don't know why I'm just peculiar. I just I keep my bills in my pocket because they don't make any noise when I walk around. And it gives me a little confidence when I put my hand in there. If I don't get an offering, no, no, no. <laughs> no. But but the other thing, the other thing I keep in my pocket, I keep this little flash drive. I carry it with me. All the time. I used to have to do it in a different way. I used to have to install this stuff in a notebook. This is the wonderful marvel of technology. Now I've got it on this flash drive. I can just stick it into the USB port of my computer and I just bring it up and I can read things that God has said to me in my own heart. Things I've never talked about or shared or preached about and maybe never will except God's just said them to me. But they're right here. And, I've, and I've, I carry this around. Now you may say, well, wow, you've got super superstitions too. Pastor, I didn't know. Yeah. That's why, that's why I got that tattoo on me so I wouldn't remember what God said to me. Well, you do it your way. I'll do it mine. <laughs> no pain in this at all. <laughs> so so I, I carry this little flash drive with me. I put it in my computer this morning just, just double-checking to make sure it's all still there. And I added one thing to it. But here's what I wanted to tell you. The reason I bring this up at all is Years ago, I was, I was in a place, and I thought so many times how similar that place was to Orange Park. I was here a long time before I saw the similarity to it, and I think I might have mentioned it once before. Carolyn and I became the pastor of a little church that had about 25 people in it because the pastor who was there had an illness, and he had to leave, and whatever it was, he had to leave, and they needed somebody to fill in for them. I should have learned. You see, 
and they asked me if I would go fill in for them at this little church. And they were meeting on the, like the 10th floor of a bank building in a little auditorium that the bank let them use. They had nothing of their own except the chairs that they had to haul in and out every week and the sound system they had to haul in and out every week. And uh, so we went there to fill in while the district could find somebody else and, and, uh, and I never heard any more from them. They never, they never called and said, we found somebody. They, I didn't know it. When they sent me, they had found somebody. So, so but it was, it, was, it, was, it was fine because that 25 people grew to about 150 people. And, we, and, and God gave us a place in a shopping center. It was in, it was in a place the land was so expensive. You couldn't, I, it, there could have been an opportunity to buy that shopping center, but I had, another, I had another goal that I believe God was leading me to in my life, and I, I felt like, I always felt like there I, I was there temporary, but I also knew that I was there as long as God wanted me there. So, I, but, but while I was there, we, we got a shopping center, we, we made a nice little chapel that would seat up to maybe about 200 people with individual chairs in it, and our attendance had gotten to where it was about 150 per Sunday, and and, and, and it was, the church was doing very well, going along, doing quite well. But I was praying, seeking God, crying out to God because of what I knew my real calling was. God was leading me somewhere else. And, and I won't go into all that, what that was all about, but I just, I felt it so strongly in my heart. And I, would, I prayed every day, and I'd feel like God's telling me, the time is here, the time is, time is close, time is near. I'm almost ready to do this for you, son. I even went to the place that I... I, I, uh, I, I went before God and I said, Lord, I've got to have answers and I've got to know, I've got to know that you're telling me this. And I fasted for 30 days, a total fast for 30 days. When I say that, I mean, of course, liquids. You, you, you never fast 30 days from liquids. You want to survive it, so you've got to drink something. But from food, I, I fasted food. for, And I don't, I don't say that to tell you that I, talk, I don't talk about this very often. It's very rare for me to talk about this. But I want to make my point to you. And so I fasted for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, I will tell you within the week after I finished fasting, I probably was more discouraged than I was before I started fasting. Because you know what? When you do that, you think God, oh, at the end of that, the day after that, oh, God's miracles. Oh, well, I can't wait till I get to the end of this fast. God. God's going to be here. It's, we're going to see a pillar of fire at night. We're going to see a pillar of cloud by day. God's miracles are coming. The electric bill didn't change. Water bill didn't change. House payment didn't change. Kids didn't change. Wife didn't change. I didn't want her to change. But, but, it, but I'm just, nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I will tell you, I, I went into one of my why God modes. Why, Lord? I fasted and prayed. And, I was, and I was, you know I was fasting and praying for an answer. Well, I'm going to tell you what God did. One day I was reading the Bible and I picked up, I picked, we still have this Bible at our house. The big old white Bible up on the shelf at our house. Big old white family Bible, we call it. Nobody ever reads from it, but 
for some reason, I picked up that Bible that day, and I was just, <laughs> this is not the way to read the Bible. I was just kind of thumbing through, reading something in the Psalms, turning a page and reading the Psalms. And I was trying to find something, anything, that would get me out of where I was. Have you ever been in a place where God wanted you to be? You were where God wanted you to be, but you were so miserable you'd do anything you possibly could to get out of it. Have you ever been there? Well, I've been there more than one time. And I've prayed, whatever you do, Lord, don't put me in another one like that. And he hasn't so far. This is not one of those like that. But, but, but that day, I, I'm thumbing through the, this big old white Bible. I mean, I say big. It's a big Bible. I'm not going to see anything up here big enough to show you how big it is. Almost, when you open it up, it's about like one of these things here. And so, and I read something, and I just kept on reading. And I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was that I read? What? Did that say what I thought it said? And then I started thumbing back, looking for it. Well, because of the way I was reading, no place in particular, I didn't even know what psalm it was in. And it was, it was one of those pages. I started looking. Oh, I think it was on this part of the page. I couldn't find it. I said, I think, I, think, I, think, I think it said what I think it said, though. I believe it did. And I just sat there and I closed that big old Bible. Now, this is not my recommendation of how you follow God or get the leading of God. Don't, I'm not recommending this. If you go out and do this and say, well, pastor said it would work. No, I didn't. <laughs> but this is what I did. I said, Lord, I believe that said just what I needed to hear, and I, I, I need to see that verse again. And if it's what I need, and if it's the verse I think it was, please help me find that verse again. So I opened up that old, big old white Bible, hardbound covers, and it fell open to the Psalms. And I looked down at Psalms 89, verse 34. Psalm 89, 34. I've referred to this numbers of times here before. I've never told you this whole event about it. I looked down and there it was Psalm 89, 34. And it said, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Now, that day, at that time, that was the greatest verse of Scripture I had ever read in all of my life. It was the greatest verse I had ever read, and I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. I quote it numbers of times. Sometimes I quote the two, verse, two versions kind of running to, together, but it all says the same thing. And my covenant, I will not break my covenant. And I will not alter or change the thing that's gone out of the word that has gone out of my mouth or the word that's gone out of my lips. Now, on this little flash drive, what I have at the top of the page in this is God's words to me. And underneath that, on line two, it says Psalm 89:34. Because what I know is, what I know. Among all the things I don't know, but what I do know is, I know that when God has spoken, God will do what he says he will do. Amen. 
When God has promised, God will keep his promises. God will never tell you a lie. God will never speak to you something he doesn't intend to do. He will not come to you when you have asked him for a fish and give you a serpent. God isn't a trickster. He isn't, a, he isn't someone who's going to deny what he said and tell you, no, I never said that. When God has spoken to you and God has given you his word and God has made his promise to you, I don't care where you stand. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your ethnicity is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you know much about God or don't know much about him. I'm going to tell you the truth about him right now. God will always do what he said he will do. God will always do what he said he will do. God will always keep his promises, and God will never lie to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you came down here and said you wanted to give your heart to God, did he say no? Never the one time, did he? There are those of you sitting right here who've walked down here. God's touched you. God's changed your life. Some of you were, you, you were already saved, but you were so far from God, you were, you were, when, when what God did for you was like saving you all over again. You might as well say you got saved all over again. You'd been saved before, but you were so far from God. It was like getting saved all over again when you came down here and God touched you. I know it, and you know it. No need for us to say it otherwise. But there are many, many people just like that. God's touched people. God's touched people in this place. Well, the only thing I'm saying to you is when God says he'll do it, and you come down and say, Lord, you said you'd do it, he's not going to say, oh, no, 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 I didn't really mean that. Oh, no. He's going to say, yes, I said I would, and yes, I will. Yes, I said I would, and yes, I will. Yes, I said I would, and yes, I will. I will do everything I've said I'll do. I'll keep my promise. I'll keep my word. I'll never deny to you what I've promised and what I've said I'll do. It may not be in the time that you choose, but it will be in the time that I choose, and I will keep every promise I've ever made to you is what God says to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to this. If anything were to happen and I were to lose it, it wouldn't change anything. It just means I'd go back where I wrote it down originally and find it again because I still got that too. It isn't God's word because I wrote it down. Not God's promise because I wrote it down. It's God's promise because he said it. So this is not sacred. This is just a reminder to me. This is just to keep it in front of me. When I came to you, was it two Sundays ago? I believe God gave me a message of prophecy, and, and, and two-thirds of my message was prophecy to this church. When I told you what God's going to start doing here, I told you that because I believe what God has said. I believe that what God has said is what I said that day, and that's what God's going to do. And this is why I say to you, we find out what is the most important thing to God. When we find out what is most important to God, we let that become the most important thing to us. I want what is most important to me to be what is most important to God. I don't ask God to make what's important to me important to Him. I ask Him to help me make what's important to Him important to me. 
and live by what God establishes as the priorities. And in doing that, love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and receive God's victory in the fulfillment of his promise in that. Hallelujah. Has God ever spoken something to you in your life? Has God ever spoken something to you in your life? He may have spoken to you and you don't know that it was God telling you. But I'm going to tell you when you seek God and let God reveal himself to you in the revelation of himself, God has a plan. God has a plan for you, my friend. It's a good plan. It's a perfect plan. It's a victory plan. It's an overcoming plan. God has a plan for you. And God has spoken that plan into your life. And I will tell you, God, don't let anybody else tell you what it is now. Don't let somebody else tell you what it is. Let God reveal to you what it is. Let the Spirit of God make it known to you what that plan is. And then when God shows you, you start doing what God shows you to do. When you start walking, doing as God tells you to do, and putting his priorities first, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and put everything before him, you are going to find the victory of God being poured out in your life. And God's going to do great things greater than anything you've ever known in your life before. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Do you need victory today? You need victory today? But I want to tell you our God is a victorious God. Our Savior is a victorious Savior. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.